Good morning, First Parish. Good morning. It is a privilege and an honor for me to be here this day. I am extremely blessed to have my husband and friends and colleagues that woke up this morning to come and um, hear me say something profound. So I hope I do not disappoint you this day. <laughs> Thank you so much for your presence. It means a lot to me. Now, I have to let you know something. I come from a tradition where when you preach, people talk back to you. <laughs> so if you hear something, amen, amen. So if you hear something that you like, you say, amen, all right. So, and even sometimes if you hear something that you don't know about or you're not too sure about, you can say, all right now, preacher, and I will proceed with caution. <laughs> Let us pray. Hallelujah. 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 sermon today. The first reading will come from the Christian tradition, um, the Gospel of Luke. The second will come from Meditations of the Heart, written by Howard Thurman. The Luke text works. An argument started amongst the disciples as to which one of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a child and had them stand right by him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he or she who is least among you, that person is the greatest. Now the words of Howard Thurman. Kindle your light within us, that our darkness may be clearly defined. It is so easy for us to recognize and respond to the darkness in others. Far more conscious are we to see the errors of others rather than ourselves. The temptation is ever present to compare our strength to someone else's weakness at our own advantage, to our own self-glory. At times, our minds have thoughts such as, we thank you that we are not like other people. Kindle your light within us, O oh God, that we may be guarded against self-deception and vanity that creeps into our spirit where a shadow is cast between us and your scrutiny. We must know through all our spiritual glory, all of our light, at times, our light is dim, and it is clouded by many shadows. Teach us the technique by which we can live into our faults, 
our shortcomings, our sins, as well as our success, our strength, and our righteousness. Kindle the light within us, O oh God, that your glory may spread all over our lives. Yes, indeed, that your glory may spread all over our lives. Let your light give radiance to the struggling intents of our souls and renew our spirit. For without your light within us, we must spend our years fumbling in the dark. If we are to be honest with ourselves, living into love for ourselves and love for others is one of the greatest challenges that faces humanity. You know, love is, is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it does not seek self, it's not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongdoing. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always preserves. Love, it never fails. These words are eloquent, timely, and a great goal for us to live up to. Living into the values of love for self and others are often, it's a challenge. We are born with the capacity of love, but as we grow and start to understand the complexities of life and how we find our place in it, our ability to love ourselves and others become contaminated. As a result, we are constantly in a place where you're, we're yearning for the fidelity that we once knew as a child. You know, when we were children, you can pick a fight with someone and the next minute you're best friends again. You know, in childhood, when you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. You brush yourself off, you start over again. Sometimes children don't even remember the very cause of the conflict in the first place. If we can only go back to our childhood sometimes. The older we get, the harder it is to live into reconciliation with others as well as ourselves. We are pushed out of our youthful innocence of love earlier and earlier these days. And if the truth be told, we really don't have a choice in the matter. As at a very young age, we are socialized into a world of competition, consumerism, and self-righteousness. And no matter what we do to counter these factors, we live these values out whether we want to or not. You know, First Parish, this struggle is so much bigger than ourselves. You know, it's, a, it's the culture that we are born into. We have been born to socialize, to believe that we are born to be great, born to be smart, born to play music, born to be a politician, a doctor, a lawyer, or born to be whatever it is that we're going to do in our lives. But David Schink, the author of The Genius in All of Us, believes that this notion of being born into greatness is a very seductive assumption. Language such as, 
being entitled into something carries this history that is connected to research that is, is, is about being, being described as being able to achieve those things that we want to and we need to, but sometimes our, our context dictates something totally different. According to David, we must look beyond those things such as genetics. The genetic curtain that so often turns out not to be true. Greatness is not a thing. It is a process. Words such as innate ability, born to be a naturally gifted person, refers to talent as a scarce resource. And under these conditions, you either got it or you don't. But for David, it's not about your genetic makeup. It's about how your environment is either enriched or restricted by the place that you were born into. Our abilities are not set in genetic stone. With humility, hope, and extraordinary determination, greatness is in the reach of everyone. Sometimes, when we fail to recognize this and realize this, I think we begin to suffer with this complex. It's called the greatest complex. The greatest complex is this desire to constantly set yourself apart at the expense of others. Whether we realize it or not, we do it all the time. When we encourage our community, our children, our family, and our friends to be the very best, that means something or someone else has to come in at an inferior place. So when I encourage people, I encourage people to be their very best, not the very best. When you live into your best self, there's no need to judge yourself against others. It would be wonderful if the world we lived in actually believed in this as a value, but unfortunately, the greatness complex drives our culture. It's in every aspect of our lives. I think this is important to recognize as we look at this morning's readings. The disciples are, they're, they're having a serious greatness complex here. You know, every time I've ever studied this text, you know, it's so easy for us to give the disciples a very hard time. And you know, I understand why. As Howard Thurman states, it is easier to respond to the darkness in others rather than the darkness that is within ourselves. As readers, we see that the disciples, they just don't get it. Here they are walking with Jesus, the person who would become the most respected figure in Christian faith. They were receiving teachings, development, support, prayers, spiritual guidance, and, and really, some really great sermons. Yet, they had the audacity 
to be arguing amongst themselves about who is the greatest. As readers, looking into the disciples' lives, it is easy for us to cast all type of judgment and blame and shame on these misguided men. And it is clear that Jesus straightened them all out by telling them that the least among you, that person would be the greatest. Their journey with Jesus was not about greatness in the sense of self-righteousness, hierarchy, privilege over others, of having exclusive access to this holy figure. Their greatness was tied into the lives of everyday folks struggling to find a sense of peace a sense of power, a sense of freedom from the systems in the world that were holding them back. The disciples were ministering to people on the fringes of society. They were ministering to the blind, the sick, and the lame. Yes, the disciples were forgetting the purpose of their call. And as readers, it is easy to see and to come to this conclusion. But I think the Creator would like us to go a little beyond our comfort zone and really see ourselves in the very text we are reading. We can just look at the disciple in this way, or we can see ourselves within them. The disciples were living their lives when they were invited into ministry. They left their family, their friends, and their communities behind. They followed their hearts. They had no clue of what they were getting themselves into, but it just felt like the right thing to do. So they walked away from their fears and they followed their faith that carried them into unfamiliar territory. From experience, I can relate to that. It's challenging to walk into something new without questioning whether or not you are making the right choice or decision. And even when we do walk into something new, we really find out that we adapt very quickly. What is new today? becomes very old very quickly. I'm pretty sure you can ask any of the folks that works with me on the campaign staff, and they would say amen to that. <laughs> this, this was the disciples' struggle. Yes, following Jesus was a sacrifice, but they were starting to get really comfortable with the choices that they made the power, the access, the privilege, started to feel really good to them. This, this is very familiar to me because it reminds me of this time when I did this internship in South Africa for three years, three months, I'm sorry. I served a AME congregation in Stellenbosch and there was this dear friend and colleague of mine, his name was Wesley, he was committed to making sure I saw all aspects of the South African experience. So he scooped me up from Stellenbosch University, the place that I was staying, and he decided at 9 o'clock at night to take me to a shanty town right on the edge of Stellenbosch. Let me be really clear with you. 
I was not prepared to enter a shanty town at nine o'clock at night. I never in my life experienced poverty like that. You wanna talk about enriched versus restricted environments? That's definitely one. And in that moment, it became crystal clear to me that everyone does not have access to nurture the God-given talents that's within them, sometimes based on their social location. So after Wesley took me there and brought me back to my nice little dorm room at Stellenbosch University, I sat there on the bed and I cried my eyes out. My heart was broken. I just felt like um, I was paralyzed and there was nothing that I could do. And, you know, after the first week, those feelings were still really real to me. Then the second week came and it was still kind of there. And then the weeks turned to months. And before I realized it, the very thing that made me cry my eyes out simply became normal. And I didn't even recognize it until I came back to the United States. I was so disappointed in myself. I mentally conformed and I didn't even realize that when I was there in the country, how could something that completely devastated me one minute become just normal and a part of society the next. I think this is what happened to the disciples. After being on the road with Jesus, with all the attention, the big crowds that were following them around, it became normal to them. The disciples had no clue of how access and power and privilege and popularity changed them. This is why the words of Howard Thurman is so important. As the creator opens up doors and brings us to different places in our lives, we must be reminded of the glory and the darkness that lives inside of us. We need God to illuminate everything within us that makes us fabulous and wonderful and amazing and extraordinary. And we need God to shine light on our darkness that makes us selfish and greedy and dismissive and competitive at someone else's expense. This is not about beating yourself up or condemning yourself because at the end of the day, we are all human. And humans have a very wide range of emotions that leads from love and joy to pain and destruction. History has taught us that it's a fine line between love and hate and war and peace. The creator wants us to be aware of everything that makes up the human experience. The more we shed light on our gifts and talents, as well as those things that are selfish and the vanity that creeps up into our spirits, the closer we are to loving ourselves as well as loving others. The creator does not want our shame. God wants us to humble ourselves as children do. 
It is here where we will discover the greatness that we so eagerly, eagerly desire for our lives. That greatness doesn't just benefit our own needs. No, 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 no. That greatness benefits the world that we are called to live in with others. The more we understand our light as well as our darkness, then and only then are we able to live the lives that, are, that we are craving so much for the greatness that we all want. In the words of Howard Thurman, once again, kindle your light within us that our darkness may be clearly defined. It is so easy for us to recognize and respond to the darkness in others. Far more conscious are we to see the errors of others rather than ourselves. The temptation is ever present to compare our strengths to someone else's weakness at our own advantage to our own self-glory. At times, our minds have terrible thoughts such as, thank you that we are not like other people. Kindle your light within us, O oh God that we may be guarded against self-deception and the vanity that creeps into our spirit where a shadow is cast between us and your scrutiny. We must know through all our spiritual glory and our light, at times our light is dim and clouded with many shadows. Teach us the technique by which we can live into our failures, our shortcomings, our sins, as well as our success, our strength, and our righteousness. Kindle the light within us, O oh God, that your glory may be spread all over our lives. Yes, indeed, that your glory may be spread all over our lives. More and more, may your light give radiance to the struggling intents of our soul and renew our spirit without your light within us. We may spend our years fumbling in the dark. Amen.